Tweet Adam at underscore Adam Crowley. Oh no, finish your tweet. It's not your text, but just give us a second. There you go, hashtag it. This is the Adam Crowley Show on 970 ESPN and now on 106.3 FM. Breaking news. Chris Archer kind of sucks. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the list of dozens. And follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. You can check out Brian LaMartina on Twitter.com at FBomber73. Shirtless Tom at ButtonPusher970. Today, Chris Archer, not good. Five innings, six hits, four runs, seven strikeouts, but four runs. His last appearance as a Pirate, five innings, two runs. Not bad, but not ace-like. In his first appearance, four and a third innings, three earned runs. As a Pirate, he's got an ERA just under six. This isn't to say the Pirates didn't make the right move. This isn't to say that the Pirates gave up too much for Chris Archer. This is me saying Chris Archer has to be better. Keone Kella just gave up a home run, so I guess all their deadline day moves aren't working. It is funny how that happens, right? Jay Happ was unheralded, comes in with the best pitcher in baseball, 8-2 as a buck. And these two guys brought in to big-time fanfare And, well, at least Archer has not lived up to his end of the bill. More on that after the Pirates game. I'm not going to dive in full bore as the game's going on. Doesn't make much sense to do that. If you're a Pirates fan, you're listening to the game. Unless you're pissed, and then you have found the right place. What's changed the relationship between media and players? In all sports. I was thinking about this yesterday. It's nuts where this has gone. I think it all kind of started with Tiger Woods. I do. Now, maybe this is short-term memory, but I think it started with Tiger. Tiger's wife chases him out of the house, beats the snot out of his car with a golf club, and now it's okay to report on all his 22 affairs? I mean, we know some of the names of the women he was sleeping with. We know one of them was a Denny's waitress. Half of them were Denny's waitresses. Regardless, we know way more about Tiger Woods than Tiger ever probably thought we should know. At what point did we start reporting on the lives of these players like they're true celebrities, like they're Hollywood celebrities? Did TMZ start this? Did Deadspin start this? Was it Tiger? And the question is, what's the line? Because Antonio Brown's getting criticized for showing up four and a half hours late to go to see children at Children's Hospital, and he should be criticized for that. Now that it's out there, that's a bad thing to do. Antonio's then ripping Ed Bouchette, calling him a clan on Twitter.com because he's reporting that Antonio was limping during practice, so that was odd. The media used to be the ones who could get the story out. The media used to be the group that had all the power. We turned the radio mic on. We write the columns. We go on TV. Well, now the players, they're the same because they have social media. Everyone can be a quote-unquote journalist. 
Everyone can have their own sounding board. Everyone can go off about whatever the hell they want to go off on. So that's different, too. But I want to ask you, what is off-limits? What should be off-limits? And do you think these things should be reported? Tiger Woods a bad dude. But do I really need to know that he cheated on his wife? Name an athlete. I bet you they've cheated on their wife. Now, not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. I've been around these guys. I was on the team bus once after a Steeler game, and, well, I'm not going to go into explicit detail, but the women in the crowd, they were saying things about them. Some of them married. I've hung out with people who are married that say things about different women. Hey, some of us think things about different women at times throughout the course of a day. Or maybe you think things about men. Maybe you swing that way. It's 2018. I cool with that, yo. Imagine then if you had the access that these players do. So it happens, right? It does. And we can have a moral debate on how terrible that is later if you want. I don't really want to. But why is that our business? A shirtless Tom cheated on his wife. He doesn't have one. That's why this works. And she finds out. Do all of you need to know that information? We bring it up because transparency is the number one virtue of the Crowley show. But is that something you need to know? Jay Mariotti, he's doing bad things. Do you really need to know? If you break the law, that's one thing. That's where it starts becoming reportable as far as I'm concerned. But infidelity? We're going to drag guys' reputations through the mud for infidelity? It's not against the law. It's a moral thing, and a lot of people have different moral codes. Tiger Woods obviously did not think he was doing anything wrong. It's odd to me that we do this. Arrests, fine. Relationship stuff, no. Attending strip clubs, no. TMZ sees that, and they think, oh, boy, Le'Veon's in a strip club. Clicks, clicks, clicks. Okay, I get why they want to put it up there, but they've changed the game. TMZ changed the game. The Tiger Woods situation changed the game to a point where I'm uncomfortable. Antonio Brown parking his car in a handicap spot, wow, crappy. It's also weird that it winds up in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Some things are better left unreported. What's our standard for journalism? And I ain't a journalist. But I asked the question to real journalists, what is the line? I don't like it. Jamel in the car first up on the Crowley Show. What's up, Jamel? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I think that the line was, you have to go uh, back farther than Tiger. I mean, I look at back in Jordan days, or Patrick Ewing days when they got all caught in the strip club, it it, it it when it became profitable, that's when you started to see more and more of it. So I think back when Jordan, when he was caught cheating on his wife or the players at the strip club and uh, some of the babies out of wedlock, so that stuff was happening way back then. Do you feel okay with that? Are you comfortable knowing that information? Do you think it's newsworthy? No, but as long as someone's going to pay for it, whether it's clicks or ads... Yep. It's going to be with us. 
Yeah, and it's what's happened with the news organizations, and I appreciate the call, Jamil. The difference between what news used to be with Cronkite and what news is now is completely different. Brian was whispering to me before OJ, and I think OJ did start a lot of this. For me, if illegal stuff happens, that's different. But OJ opened the floodgates to where we need to now see what's going on in these guys' lives. We're interested in what the hell they're doing. And to me, I just want to watch them play sports. And if they want to get up on their soapbox and they want to kneel during the anthem and they want to do these kinds of things, that's fine. It's their platform. If they want to make things public, if they want to make their ideas things that we're going to consume, I can buy that. But if Antonio Brown's got four different kids with three different women, is that any different than somebody cheating on their wife in some people's moral construct? No. It's not reportable to me. And neither was the Tiger stuff. But TMZ does get the clicks. Deadspin does get the clicks. Barstool will get the clicks. And that's what it's all serving. Enough of you out there want to see this. Enough of you out there want to read this. I'm not okay with the Hollywood stuff either. But when the Hollywood culture melds now with the sports culture, it shouldn't be surprising, but it does bother me. It does. I don't need to know Jennifer Aniston's love story, but she's hot, she's on TV, she's getting paid millions of dollars, and people want to see it. I guess it's not that different from sports. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. <laughs> it's over. Cancel the season. Oh wait, no, they've got Mason. Just kidding. Don't cancel it. But he's not the number two. It's going to be Landry. Doesn't matter. Ben gets hurt. A B was hurt. Ramon Foster was hurt. James Connor was held out of the last two practices. Makes it a lot more understandable why Lev Bell isn't present. Yes? You know the guy who was at a strip club. And we all know about it because that was reported. Le'Veon Bell has taken so much flipping heat from Steelers Nation. Doesn't prove that he's right. Doesn't this prove that he's doing the best thing for him? I've always tried to rationalize it like this. Being rusty may cost Le'Veon Bell some money. But being hurt would cost Le'Veon Bell some money. Le'Veon's sitting out. Le'Veon's probably feeling pretty good about that decision right about now. Ben Roethlisberger's not in a contact drill. Ben Roethlisberger can never be contacted, but it wasn't a contact drill. They're wearing shells. There were no tackling. There was no tackling. Hello. Anything could happen to Le'Veon Bell. You go out on the field, it's non-tackling drill, someone falls over, your knee blows up, see ya. I think we should all be more sympathetic to the Le'Veon Bell cause, and I think we should all understand that Le'Veon Bell's doing what's best for himself. I knew I'd probably give this take at some point. This is one of those ones you store in your back pocket. When somebody gets hurt, you say, oh, Le'Veon Bell, he was right. He nailed it. Well, Le'Veon Bell was right, and he nailed it. But it's a little bit louder, I think, when Ben Roethlisberger's the guy who got hurt. When Ben gets hurt, anybody can get hurt. When the guy you're not allowed to touch gets hurt, the running back can get hurt. For show. So I'm all right with him not being there. I get the logic. I always have. But here's a little proof for yins. Antonio Brown was ripping Ed Bouchette on Twitter. Called him a clown, as I mentioned before. 
Jalen Ramsey, Rip Day beat reporter. Jalen Ramsey was suspended. Antonio Brown was not. I said yesterday it would not make any sense to suspend Antonio Brown. What, you're going to suspend him for the last day of camp? Oh, boy, that stinks. Oh, it hurts so bad. What they should do to punish him is send him to that strip club that Le'Veon Bell was at. Make that ass shake in his face. That is punishment. Make him pay for it, too. He'd just show up four and a half hours late. You can't suspend him. He's not going to play in the game anyhow. But when that went down, the Jalen Ramsey thing, and then Antonio Brown just following it, it made me realize something that I already knew, but it just kind of hammered it home a little bit more, and that's this kind of stuff goes on all over the National Football League. The Steelers have distractions. They're not good people. Bloody believe They're all like this. Jalen Ramsey rattled off today how every quarterback in the National Football League sands Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Tyrod Taylor, and Blake Bortles suck. It's a weird foursome. I like Tyrod. Oh, do you? Why? Is it because he's black? Probably. Because if you're going to say Ben Roethlisberger underwhelmed you, and Tyrod Taylor's a good player. There's something else going on there. All the quarterbacks that he commented on positively, aside from Rodgers and Brady, they were black. I'm okay with it. I get it. That's fine. I don't got a problem with it. But he's rattling stuff off. You don't think that's a distraction? You don't think his coach is going to be pissed at every quarterback they line up against this year? He said they suck. Remember how mad the Steelers Fan base got all yins out there in Steelers Nation when Mike Mitchell was looking ahead of the Patriots. This guy's personally called out every damn quarterback in the league. That's a distraction. It happens all over. You don't think they're going to have problems in Los Angeles with the Rams, with the Dominican Sioux? Aaron Donald still ain't there. Marcus Peters is brought in. You don't think they're going to have problems? Spoiler alert, they will. And when you look at the Rams, you look at the success that they had last year, way earlier than people thought, and you see what they did this offseason, they screamed to me, we don't care about distractions. When you look at Jacksonville and the swagger that they have and how they rolled up on in here to Heinz Field and beat the Steelers, beat them to a pulp twice, that screams to me swagger. That screams to me, we don't care about distractions. Philadelphia. They got Lane Johnson ripping the Patriots. And he doubled down on it because they're going to play the Patriots tomorrow night in a preseason. It's not fun to play there. No way. No way it's not fun to play there. I'd rather play here and get the one than play there and get the six. You don't think that's somewhat of a distraction? You don't think that that is bulletin board material? It happens all over the damn league. And I love every second of it. I love you, Jalen Ramsey. I want to kiss Jalen Ramsey on the face. Here's what he said about Ben Roethlisberger in GQ magazine. Quote, I think he's decent at best. It's not Big Ben. It's Antonio Brown. He just slings it and his receivers go get it. He has a strong arm, but he ain't all that. I played him twice last year, and he really disappointed me. I guess to the victor go to the spoils there, right? Jalen Ramsey went on to say about Joe Flacco. This is great. I played the Ravens twice last year. Flacco sucks. I can see why they drafted Lamar Jackson. He should play right now. Flacco sucks. I love it. And as much as I will rip Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and talk all about the distractions that the Steelers have had in the past and are going to have here in the future, 
I love every second of it. We'll get more into Jalen Ramsey coming up at 440. Coming up next, Chris Adamski from the Trib weighs in on all of that. When did the media coverage change? And are the Steelers just like one of 32? We'll discuss. It's a Crowley show. Proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah base right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, player? On ESPN Pittsburgh. Back from training camp, but unable to avoid me, is our good friend Chris Adamski from the Trib. He jumps on with us right now. Adamski, how you feeling? You still hung over from Tuesday night? It's always a uh, a bittersweet day when we uh, pack up from Latrobe and head back to Pittsburgh, and you know, actually reconnect with family. And you know, I see my wife and kids for weeks. Sort of an exaggeration, but you get the point. Do your but kids remember what you look like? It's pretty bad whenever, like, you know, Wally and you and Pursuit have a better idea of, you know, of, of, you know, what I look like or my daily, uh, you know, functioning that my kids and my wife do. But, you know, there's no sharkies in, in uh, our palatial mouth here, our palatial mouth living in the state. So. No, there are nicer bars. Chris Zajamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. Chris, in the first segment we were talking about the relationship between media and players. And Antonio Brown ripping Ed Bouchette made me think. And then Damone Patterson taking out Ed's knees clearly on command from Antonio Brown got me to thinking. What changed with the relationship between media and players? And what I mean by that is... We started covering Tiger Woods and the affairs that he had going on in his life. What's off limits? What should be off limits? And when did things like affairs, like stuff going on off the field, when did that all become on the table for reporters? I, mean, I think it's pretty clear that social media, for one thing, uh, that changed the dynamic uh, of, of us because now, uh, you know, sometimes I probably tell up anything. Uh, you know, in some ways, if so and so wants to get the story out that, that he's either signing with somebody or or, or retiring or, or or mad about play calling or whatever it might be, you could pick. You can put it on social media and just bypass. Uh, you know, need to release a statement about whatever he's in. So he, you know, 20 years ago, get to call a reporter if you want to get a message out, whatever it might be. Uh, so the players needed that relationship more. I think is part of it. And, uh, and now they don't think it's with themselves. Uh, and secondly, I think in terms of the, uh, you know, the lines being blurred or whatever it is, the affairs type thing, uh, you know, you have TNT now that's going to report it uh, or whatever. Uh, it's going to get out somehow via some outlet, some website, uh, you know, whether it's via the uh, whoever does it, whoever leaks it, it's getting out there somehow. In the past, there were only a, a certain finite number of gatekeepers public, and that was the newspaper writers, the TV, whatever it was, there were only, you know, whatever the number is, in every particular market, a particular team, and that was the only gatekeeper's information that could get public. And now it, it, it finds its way out there somehow. Well, let's frame it differently then. So TMZ plays by different rules, or at least they were the first ones to play by different rules-ish. Should ESPN cover things the way TMZ does? 
I almost feel, and you know, this is my opinion. I don't know. If once it gets out there, you know, whatever we're talking, affair. You know, the player X has an affair. If I know about it, I'm not going to put it out there. I, I don't think. I, I mean, I don't. I, you know, I, I don't. I would like to think I wouldn't. But once it gets out, you know, once CMZ publishes or whatever, I hate to beat up on them totally, but they're the you know the best of what they do. Um, you know, most common, you know, most known. So if, if they put it out there, then it becomes news. People are talking about it. It's a, it's a, you know, the, if the fans and the readership and everybody out there, the public knows about it, and talking about it, wants to know more about it, then it becomes our obligation to, you know, get the reaction for the player or, or, or you know, get more information out there, I think. At least that's the way I do it, right or wrong. I think it's wrong. Chris Adamski joining us here <laughs> on the Crowley Show. Well, y- yes and no, because... I don't know if it is our job to follow that. Well, I'm different. I'm not a journalist, but I don't know if it is a job of a journalist to follow up on that because it's something that interests the public. I think there's a line there. I think journalism's not supposed to be about what the public wants to know. It's about what the public needs to know. I, I think broadcasting, entertainment, things of that nature, that can be where you give the public what they want. And I think that society as a whole has seen that line blurred, and maybe it's, maybe it's a way bigger discussion than I'm than I'm giving it credit for. But I, I think that's kind of the problem. Well, I, let, let's take what inside you discussed it. Let's take that scenario there, right? Uh, you know, I wasn't. I'm not old enough to be free internet or whatever. But uh, uh, but that happened 20 years ago. Uh, first of all, there wouldn't have been a tweet from Red Bush. So I guess the scenario doesn't exist. Uh, but uh, you know, if, if Ed wrote or whoever. Reporter X wrote something about Player Y, but for whatever reason, Player Y didn't like it. Um, he wouldn't have been able to put on social media for millions to see. We, we would have seen the you know confrontation, perhaps, the other reporters of us, and you know probably not mentioned it publicly. Not we wouldn't have written in our stories or in our radio airways necessarily, uh, more than likely. But now Antonio Brown goes on social media and says it, therefore it becomes a, a, a story then that we, it's hard for the rest of the media to ignore. Now, I, this is a small tip of the iceberg compared to, you know, Tiger, what, his, you know, whatever he's doing with whoever, and his wife doing what, you know, uh, so it's not as, I don't know, significant or not as tawdry, is that, is that the right word? Uh, but it's just one example where now it's hard to ignore things if it's out there. Does that make any sense, or am I just making stuff up? It makes a lot of sense. Chris Adamski joining us here on the Crowley Show. Let's change the topic of conversation a little bit here. Uh, Jalen Ramsey got suspended for something similar to what Antonio Brown did on Twitter. He was going after a beat writer. Uh, Antonio Brown ripping Ed Bouchette, calling him a clown. Do you think, and not from a not from a media player relations standpoint anymore, but do you think that most teams in the NFL are similar to the Steelers? in that they have guys who act like this, that they have quote-unquote distractions, because we do make it seem like here in Pittsburgh it's worse than other places. In the last year it was, no doubt. But I kind of think that's the culture that there is in 2018. Yeah, I mean, you could probably, you're right, this this discussion could expand on to, on to whatever else, too. But, I, yeah, I think that's the, and, and again, I, and I hate to belabor it, I know it's not this simple, so I'm not, but, I mean, that ended up, if Jalen Ramsey put something on social media that's there out for the public for every, you know, his whatever million, hundred thousand, ten thousand followers to see, and then it became, and then it, you know, the screenshots 
Sports Center puts it on or whatever. You, I guess you would say, or, or the part of the argument, should Sports Center putting on that on. But, you know, if, if this happened in the past, you know, and this player had a problem with the, the, the you know, it was written about the fight in the paper the next day. I, you know, but, but you're right. Yeah, I don't know if the viewers are that, are that much different. Uh, you know, we could sit down and break down all the little things that happened with the Steelers last year, the, the, all the distractions, and, and, you know, justify this or take that. And, you know, they're, you know Marcus Gilles, was the, the only player in the league by far who was got a full-game suspension for, for uh, you know, control, uh, performance dancing substance. You could, you could break down and say, you know, Tony Brown's not the only player that receiver in the league who got mad he wasn't targeted on a pass. It's, you know, uh, whatever. I, I'm, I, but it's, when they all happen in one season like that, and it, and it was a contending team and a high-profile team at that, I, I think that's why it maybe got more attention than, than uh, you know, if, if Jacksonville was 4-12 and Jalen Ramsey was doing his thing, but, you know, like they were two years ago, then maybe it wouldn't have even that come out. They are going to be bad this year. I'm telling you right now. I bet you Jacksonville takes a step back. But we'll get into that later on here on the Crowley Show. Uh, ben gets hurt. A.B. was hurt. James Conner uh, is icing his groin. Kind of makes it understandable why Le'Veon Bell didn't show up, huh? <laughs> That's the angle I hadn't really, really thought of. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, it almost is fascinating to me. If, if Bell, again, gets off to a slow start to the regular season, if, if Sumi does show up the week before again, um, you know, the old consequences line from Mike Tomlin, uh, if that, I mean, it, it almost kind of ties into, uh, in, in a strange, but we make this connection here, the whole play home thing, where, you know, the, uh, is there any sort of data back up of a player doesn't have training camp for, you know, for whatever reason, he was hurt or holding out, uh, or do they, do they get off traditionally bad starts once the season starts? And, and is there something to that, or is that just sort of a coincidence last year that, you know, I mean, it was the freaking Browns this week one, and you didn't have money run the ball very well, so it's hard to justify that. Right. A couple of big stretches after that. I, I don't know. Um, you know, is, is there happy? Like, last year when it happened, I assumed, I, I predicted, I shouldn't say assumed, I predicted he would have showed up, which would have been, like, this Saturday. After the second preseason game, um, after St. Vincent, you, know, you come to your fourth of the south side, and you playing the, you know, maybe you're even playing that third preseason game. At least you get a couple of weeks of practice with your guys before the regular season. I was kind of surprised he waited until the week before. Um, I, I think that might have benefited them more. You really mitigate your, your risk there. I think that, you know, the practices start as they start to ramp back down to more regular season as, you know, you miss those, those, you know, those, those first few days of contact up at St. Vincent. And, you know, but uh, you're right. You know, if he's not signed, why take the chances to the injury? And if he thinks right or wrong, or whether you agree or not, being, you know, low-balled away by the Steelers, you know, I, why are you going to put your body at risk? I don't, I don't necessarily blame him for that. Last thing here for you, Chris. The Pirates lost. They're now 5-8 and eight in August. Uh, they are at least five and a half games back. Could be six back after the way things go tonight. Uh, they are done. Do you still have faith in next season? Do you think that the moves that they made will bolster them moving forward? I still do have faith in that, but Chris Archer has not been good in his first three starts. And that's the thing, you know, you kept hearing about the, uh, what was the term that the Pirates used, the, the, uh, oh, what's that word? Oh, they have that word for, uh, the, not the measurable, the, uh, uh Bi- biometric? Uh, well, not, not that word either, but the, peripherals? the peripherals. I think it's that, the peripherals that they got on the 
I'm just, uh, hey, wait, 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 wait. Say it with me. Peripherals. 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 All right, go ahead. All right. Uh, if you look at his, and I'm talking about not necessarily super advanced data over there here, but like baseball reference has ERA plus, which is reference every player in the league relative to each other and factors in, you know, across parts and all that, a pitcher, what they are. He has been a below average pitcher now for, for three years, barely below average, roughly average, just say average, but he's around 99 on the, on the scale of 100 being average. So for three years now, it's like a big sample size, and uh, whatever, I, you know, I thought from the beginning, and, I, and I'm not going to be, I told you so, it's a free start, maybe I'm wrong, and hopefully I'm wrong, and everybody can tell me I'm not wrong, but I, I don't, this whole thing that Chris Archer was a difference maker, I mean, you might be bad to a team if you're going to contend in the Pirates. They were winning 10 in a row. They thought they could, they could contend next year, too. If he's the, the, you know, the number three starter after, after Tyone, and, and maybe um, um, Pitch Keller's pull up, who's in great, you're in great shape, and that's a reasonable price for that, for a veteran pitcher like that. But I don't know if Chris Archer was ever going to be your, uh, you know, your, your difference-making top of the rotation base from the beginning. Good stuff, Adamski. I mean, no, no, no. Look, I think I think your concerns are were valid at the time, and I think that they're valid now. I remember you went on a, a little tweet spree about it, and I, I thought that his numbers outside of the AL lease would prove yeah. that he would be a little bit better. And what we found thus far is he doesn't really have that next pitch. He does only really uh, have that fastball in the slider. He doesn't have any confidence to throw the change up, and maybe that's something you work on in the off season. But as for now. Uh, he's not better than Musgrove. He's definitely not better than Jamison Tyon, and they gave up an awful lot to get that guy. Uh, Chris, appreciate the time. One more time. Peripheral. Peripheral. Nailed it. Peripheral. I did. Okay. It, 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 what's the user accent? What's the, uh, the Pittsburgh E for Peripheral? Like, uh, I don't even want numbers. To they just say numbers. Oh, numbers. Yeah. Big numbers. And peripheral. Yeah, yeah, peripheral. Perif- peripheral. Peripheral. That's it. That's the one right there. Peripheral. Anyway, get the hell out of here. Thanks, Adamski. Biometrics and at. All right. Later, Adam. Biometrics and at. The Pirates did lose. They are losers. They are still above 500. I don't know how long that's going to last because they've got a tough schedule ahead of them. They have not been hitting lefty starters well at all, and the Cubs are going to throw, guess how many in the four-game series? Four. Four. Yeah, it's great. Things are going to go well. They're done. They'd have to go 28 and 13 the rest of the way to get to 89 wins. And 89 wins is the bare minimum to get into the playoffs in the National League, even for the second wild card, I think, right now, given how many teams they're chasing. And that's in a perfect world. That's if the Pirates just get to that spot. You have to consider what's around them. But we'll talk about that later. I don't feel like talking about the Pirates right now. Kyle Brand from Good Morning Football he was talking about the Steelers today, said they're the most desperate team in the NFL. Do you agree? I do. I'll tell you why. It's the Crowley Show. It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. July 3rd, I tweeted out, 
Man, it just hit me that the Pirates aren't going to make the playoffs. I'm devastated. I have retweeted it, at underscore Adam Crowley, because the Pirates aren't going to make the playoffs. There's too many teams they need to jump over. They are 5-8 and eight in August. They'd have to go 28-13 and 13 the rest of the way to get to 89 wins. They could do it. They won 11 in a row. They could. But they ain't going to. And other teams in the NL, if they get hot, that would make that moot anyhow because their starting point is better than where the Pirates are right now. Archer, Musgrove, Williams, Tyone, they're going to be under control the next few years. I think that they have a chance to be pretty good next year. The back end of the bullpen is locked up. Dickerson, Marte, Polanco will be back. Diaz looks like the real deal behind the plate. He hit a home run today. Josh Bell looks more like the guy he was during last year of late. You'll have Kramer and Newman in the middle infield. They can be legit next year. Maybe add another starter. Is it Keller? We'll see. He won't be around till midseason anyhow. But I think they can be okay. This Archer guy's got to be better, though. He's got to be better. As a Pirate, not good. ERA sitting mid-fivers. Five innings, six hits, four earned runs today. That's not what you paid for. Well, hopefully. Four and a third his first time out. Five innings. His second start, he's not gone longer than five. He has pitched 13 innings as a Pirate in three starts. Not good enough. Not good enough. The Pirates have won two out of the three starts. But it's still not what you want from this guy. You want him to help save the bullpen. He's been an innings eater his entire career. Say what you want about his ERA plus like Chris Adamski did in the last segment. He's right about that. He's just average. But at least he's eaten innings over the course of his career. The last four years, the lowest inning total he's had was 194. The other three, he's been above 200 each time. This is a guy who can go deep in the ball games and should help you save the bullpen, a good Pirates bullpen, and you get to that part of the bullpen instead of having to go to the soft underbelly of the middle relief. But we haven't seen it from him. The rest of the year needs to be about him figuring it out, and the rest of the year needs... To be about the Pirates determining what's going to happen in 2019. It doesn't mean that you're going to stop playing. It doesn't mean that you should bring up young players to play them in place of veterans that you think aren't going to help now, but you want to see what they can do in the future. No, you still got to do things to win. You're still on the periphery of the race. But if you do fall out of it anymore, maybe you do go that way. We'll see what happens. Big series against the Cubs if... You find a way to sweep them, then hey, you're back. But the reality is it's not going to happen. And the Pirates have been abysmal against left-handed pitching lately, and the Cubs are coming in with four straight lefties. Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football was on this morning. I love that show. Kay Adams is great. Kyle Brandt is one of the most entertaining people on TV. Sugar, whatever the hell his name is, Schlegel. It doesn't matter. That guy's funny. I like that show. Kyle Brandt had... Some interesting things to say about the Steelers today, and I want to know if you agree. Yes, there's concern for the Steelers. The concern is time. The clock is ticking. And let's do a quick state of the nation, a more specific one. The franchise quarterback, still openly musing about retirement, now goes into concussion protocol in practice. Probably doesn't help the state of the nation of that. Antonio Brown, just earlier this summer, was openly wondering aloud to reporters about why do I play football? Why do I really do this? My kid's this. My kid's that. I respect it. And Le'Veon Bell, he's not here, and it's also the last year he's going to be on the Steelers. This is the last ride. There's an expression in an old movie that says there's nothing sad in life than wasted talent. The last time the Pittsburgh Steelers, a franchise that is about Super Bowls and Super Bowls alone, were in a Super Bowl, Antonio Brown 
Brown was a punt returner, and Le'Veon Bell was a Spartan, a young Spartan. It has been that long. So, guys, I think they are the most desperate team in all of football. Really? I do. Wow. The most desperate team because this is – I know every year you say this is the year – Lev is gone. Who knows about Ben? Antonio's getting older. This is the year after this year. I think the Mike Tomlin questions start getting louder. I think the can't beat the Patriots thing gets louder. Most desperate team in football. I like Kyle Brandt. Sounds like he likes me. Sounds like he's echoing everything I've said. And it's not like it's the hottest take in the world. This is the best chance for the Steelers to win a Super Bowl in the Ben Roethlisberger era. What's left of it? And I've said it before. So what's different this time? Well, I was at training camp. And I've seen the way that Ben Roethlisberger's talking to his receivers. And Mark Caballi of The Athletic, who was on the program earlier this week, he wrote a piece about how Ben's reacting to these receivers. And I've seen it. I've seen him yell at them. I've seen him say things about Juju Smith-Schuster loudly. He's trying to send a message out there, but he's acting as if he knows that this is the last hurrah. Caballi's whole slant was... These players are all very young, and Ben Roethlisberger is 36 years old. Juju Smith-Schuster is the same... It's the same different... This, how do I want to put this? It's the same distance between... I should just have read Mark Caballi's piece. He made it easy on me. Juju Smith-Schuster is 14 years older than Ben Roethlisberger's youngest kid. Ben Roethlisberger's 14 years older than Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, I nailed it! All right, baby, I'm back! I nailed it, yeah! So that's Caballi's whole slam. Well, he's because these kids are young. I don't think that's it. I think it's because Ben Roethlisberger knows this is his last opportunity. Ben Roethlisberger knows that he won't be turning around and handing the football off to Le'Veon Bell. Ben Roethlisberger knows that the offensive line is getting older every passing year. Marcus Gilbert has not been a guy who stays on the field. Marquise Pouncey's had injury concerns in the past. Ramon Foster did get hurt this year. You don't have Chris Hubbard anymore. You're kind of seeing the Steelers age. And he knows it. And that does make you desperate. Now, I hope that he does not reflect that in his play. I don't think we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger chucking up Hail Marys on third down and one. Oh, wait, they always do that. I don't think we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger play like a guy who's desperate. I think we're going to see Ben Roethlisberger play like a guy who knows the time is running out. And I do think that there can be a difference. If you weren't playing like you know it's your last chance, you have to do everything right. You have to be the first guy in, last guy to leave. You have to make sure that you're putting in enough film work. You have to make sure that you go into every Sunday giving your team the best chance to win. If you're desperate, to me, desperation's like the guy who is on the fifth girl he's asking out to prom, so he comes up with this crazy, ridiculous way to ask her. That's desperation. I want Ben Roethlisberger to walk up to the woman and say, Hey, you and me, we're going. I lose you on that analogy, too. Maybe I don't have it. Maybe this old cowboy has run out of steam. I just don't think you should be making any analogies with Ben Roethlisberger going up to women saying, You and me, let's get it now! That's why Brian gave me the eyes. That's what Brian was trying to get me to say. Yeah, well, now that we've drawn attention to it on the air... <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> well, if she wants to go with him and consents to it, then they can go to prom together. Mixed analogy. I don't care. Steelers are desperate. No. No, wait. No. I think the team's desperate. I don't think they need to play desperate. And I do think there's a difference. 
412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Think about the way the defense is operating, too. It was a two-minute drill, last day of practice, and the Steelers were in that dollar defense, which is something we're seeing for the first time this year, seven defensive backs. That's so totally different than what they've done in the past. Their whole scheme is changing. They're going to be more multiple. They're going to be able to match up more. So things are changing on the defensive side. You hope they're for the better, but there is change. There's a new offensive coordinator. Ben wanted it to be the case, but there's change. You've lost a couple of coaches on the staff. Richard Mann is gone. Tom Bradley's come in. And with all this stuff changing, that causes you to realize if they're changing, it's because we haven't done enough. It's because we need to do more. We need to be better. And I think that all those things point to Kyle Brandt and myself being correct. Me and Kyle are best friends. There's no easy way to transition to this after that Ben Roethlisberger talk, but it's Steelers Family Fest this weekend. Bring your kids. It's a good environment. Good people. I'll be broadcasting with Matt Williamson and Dale Lawley from 4 o'clock until 8. It'll be fun. We've got tickets to give away. The number's 412-922-2874. It's a family four-pack. And it's a four-pack. For your family. You bring the kids. Bring your wives. Mistress. Doesn't matter. Family four-pack. 412-922-2874. Don't bring your wife and girlfriend at the same time. Correct. Yeah. We don't need any more distractions. Third caller gets the Steelers family four-pack for the Family Fest this weekend. Coming up next, we talk to Joe Rudder about the desperate Steelers. He, from the Trib, covers the Steelers there. It's the Crowley Show.